Hello and welcome to the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. I am your host, Pablo Giacopelli, and this is episode three, titled Sin. Today I have the pleasure of having two close allies of mine live all the way from South Carolina in the USA, Charlie Venzel and Tim McNamara, who are co-founders of a men's ministry called New Formations. Together we're going to be opening up and discussing this word sin that uh, seems to be ever so relevant, not only to our journeys with God, but also in our lives. So sit back, click your seatbelt and enjoy the show. Well, we, we talk about this word called sin. Um, I know in my life, it dominated uh, my journey with God. It was the very thing that I, I believed my, my spiritual walk with God was about, which was to get rid of as much sin as I possibly could. Uh, and that, of course, would show as I began to modify my behavior and I started to force myself to fit into this so-called uh, pattern of, of habits, which uh, all revolved really around trying to minimize sin. And uh, what is amazing about this is that, you know, many of us, we undertake this kind of journey, but we never really take the time to do some due diligence about what sin really is, um, and how it affects our lives, and, and of course, uh, what happens when um, we are obviously set free through the blood of Christ, uh, and what position that automatically puts us in. Um, Charlie, Tim, your thoughts? You know, sin is, is just one of those things that it it's always seems to be around, and I, I think about all the times in my life where I've been confronted with my sin, starting from, you know, my conversion. And, you know, it was a weighty feeling. And then through the years, uh, you know, hearing sermons and stuff like that, it mostly had to do with managing my sin. And I, I just, you know, and, and I preached a lot of that over the years, too. You know, stamp this out, stamp this out. And, you know, I think one of the important things to remember is just the, the pre-fall condition where we had just amazing glory and amazing dignity. And, and after redemption, Christ is like has restored that as our truest identity. And it, it's amazing to me how much time we, we spend talking about managing you know, sin, 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 it's bad, the heart is bad, but no, the heart is good mm -hmm. after redemption. Amen. And, and I want to know, you know, why is it that we focus on sin so much and not our original glory? And because I know this too, what, what we give our attention to has power over us. Yeah. You know, and Paul says, you know, the, the more I try not to do this, the more I do. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's where I go all the time. The times that I find that I'm doing the best is not when I'm focusing on my worst. Is if I'm moving forward, it's usually because I'm chasing after God. And then I'll look back and say, wow, I was, I was able to avoid this major sinful behavior or I was able to avoid that because I wasn't, it wasn't because I was concentrating on sin management. 
it was chasing after God and chasing after his heart is the times that I do the best. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I, I often, I think that the, for me in my life where, where the, the real aha moment came was when I realized that in this original space, this original glory that you said, I wasn't a sinner, but I was actually a beloved of God. And that sin is something that I got trapped into or we as humans got trapped into. Um, and it isn't something that I was born to do. Uh, I've realized as time goes by that I'm called a sinner because I am born into a reality that is lower and is falling short of that original glory, which is where I come from in God. And I sin because I, in this fallen world, I primarily was doing life from my mind and my ego. And I felt that life in itself was successful according to what happened outside of me. So I figured in the world, I'm successful if I have money, if I've accomplished things in religion, I'm successful if I minimize sin and I don't obviously sin as much as I did last week and next week I sin less than I did this week and so forth and so forth. Um, and I think the aha moment came when I realized that I wasn't going to find the answer outside, but that it had to do with identity because of course we are lost means that's our condition. It is not our identity. And too many of us, we, we find ourselves identifying with this identity of sinner instead of identifying with this identity of being a beloved of God. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's a whole, yeah, sorry. It's a whole lot easier to, no, you're good. It's a, it's a whole lot easier to, um, fall back into guilt and shame. And yeah, if that's where we've come from, then to see ourselves in right relation with God. I mean, I, I would rather see myself as the, this warrior who's going to go charge the fields at Bannockburn than to admit that I just need to see myself as the beloved son of God. Yeah. That's a, that's a radical shift. Yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, all the father issues and all that stuff is wrapped up in that, but it's really hard for me to see myself as something that God has created and he's pleased with. Yeah. And the thing about sin is, you know, so often we believe this lie that God is separated from us because of sin. So we see him as a transactional God that it almost had to be forced to love us and be part of us through a transaction of a debt repayment. When, of course, we know that Jesus never came to pay a debt, but he came to be a ransom. He came to give himself as a ransom um, and that God was never actually separated from us. But he's always been part of our lives because, of course, it's impossible to live away from God or outside of God. And so when we begin to see that and we begin to see that, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is what, you know, Paul says in Romans, nothing, nothing in creation or out of creation. Then we we suddenly begin to realize that sin 
uh, isn't something that we need to modify or we need to get rid of or we need to work or we need to focus ourselves in because, of course, obviously we are no longer afraid that, you know, if I sin, then God separates himself and he ain't going to be part of my life and be with me until I kind of get rid of that again. So it's kind of like this schizophrenic, you know, God loves me today, is with me because I haven't done anything wrong. And of course, I'm under incredible pleasure. I have no joy. I have no peace. I have absolutely no life whatsoever, apart from just trying to be this good soldier that doesn't sin so that I can convince God that I'm good enough for him to stay with me and be with me. You, you know, I think many of us uh, go through the church week <laughs> Um, living that out, uh, where Sunday we, we come in, we briefly feel forgiven and, you know, at one with God and about lunchtime that that's gone again. <laughs> and it's almost like we go to church to make ourselves right with God, you know, to, to somehow pay or do a good work to um, ha have God be pleased with us. And I just think about what would it be like to go to church with the understanding that, you know, as a believer, God and I are, you know, one. He says that, you know, he calls us God's little G, uh, brother, friend, heir, you know, all of these things. What would it be like to go in there with, with that mindset and and think on the ways that, that he loves me? And, and, and actually enter into worship of the Father this way. And it, it, I don't want to say we never come under conviction or we don't need to talk about sin. It's just like if, if I get that part right, then my behavior actually changes from the inside out mm -hmm. as opposed to feeling a little free on Sunday morning, getting into Sunday afternoon, and now I'm having to watch my behavior. Right. It, it, it's just it's it's backwards. Yeah. I mean, I think the at the basic level sin is doubting that God loves us unconditionally and he's always with us. You know, the minute uh, we, we begin to doubt that and we replace that revelation with something that we got to do in order for that to be true. I think that's when we fall in the trap. And as you said earlier, rightly so the more we give our attention to managing sin, the more we empower sin over ourselves. So we get ourselves stuck in this circular spiritual motion. Like it's almost like the rat wheel, but it's the, the rat wheel of sin where we work really hard. But the, work, the harder we work, the more we sin, because, of course, the harder the wheel spins. And I think that that's what Jesus's blood came to do. He came to set us free from that cyclical way of trying to manage sin through the system of mercy because of course as we know mercy is just the opportunity to have another go and that's the obviously the system that was in operation in the temple where people will go around a year and come back and have to sacrifice to be able to go around another year and jesus of course didn't come to give us temporary mercy he came to give us eternal grace that sets us free so that we can go in a journey and follow him instead of actually returning back to the same place full circle every year to try and, you know, buy ourselves some more time. So, you know, it, it's amazing what happens when we are, when we come into that revelation, because suddenly we become aware and know that we are loved. And, you know, and, and so now we no longer try and find happiness, peace and the meaning of our lives and our identity 
and things outside which eventually lead us into sin but now you know life is beginning from the heart where we are aware of how loved we are and that you know I, I don't know about you guys but the less I focus on fulfilling the commandments and trying to be good the less I sin uh, and the more I find myself fulfilling those commandments without even trying those those are radical ideas and people just they're not used to that and you know people see that as very controversial and um, I think the reason why so many people just knee-jerk react to that is because it takes the work out of our hand mm. it takes the control that we we think we have and it pulls the rug out and it puts it back squarely where it belongs with the grace and mercy of God mm. and we're more reliant on him than we are on ourselves, mm -hmm. and then that just freaks people out <laughs> just, right. yeah if you start expressing these kind of radical ideas all of a sudden everybody starts oh you're a universalist oh you're this you're that and well nobody yeah. nobody I don't think I ever mentioned what happens after we die on all of that so I'm just you know Jesus didn't come right. to tell us how life finishes he came to tell us how life begins Mm -hmm. So, you know, as far as, you know, the universalism, that is, is, is not necessarily the case because, of course, you know, that's got to do with everybody gets to heaven eventually kind of thing. Uh, and I don't believe right. all roads uh, lead to heaven, even within Christianity, you know. Um, I, I don't believe that. Um, so as far as if that's what, you know, people think that I think, I don't actually think that at all. Because even within the street, many streams within Christianity, they don't lead to heaven either. Because it doesn't mean just because they're under the banner of Christianity that they are leading you to the truth. Um, and so, you know, I think I just like to share a concept with you that um, I don't know. It's come up from my heart uh, when I was coaching tennis. Um, often what happens with many tennis coaches is they focus on trying to improve the weaknesses on a player's game um, and though the weaknesses do get better when they actually go into a match when they try and use their strengths of course they're nowhere near as good as they could be because they never really practice them they're all the time trying to focus on making themselves better where they're weak and you know the funny thing about Paul says you know when I am weak he is strong and I, I, I began to see this uh, very early on when I started working in the, in, the, in the tour and I began to focus on developing and strengthening the strengths that were already there. And if we look at ourselves in our uh, lives, and by the way, when I did that, the weaknesses on the player actually improved indirectly by themselves. What is strong about us is the fact that we are God's beloved, our true identity in Christ. You know, uh, Charlie, you mentioned it at the beginning, how Jesus called us brothers, friends. You know, we are family. That is strength. We are loved unconditionally. This is a God that loves us organically. He doesn't have to be convinced to love us through a transaction. That's why when we get that, we are involved in a transformational a journey with him not a transactional one that depends on us doing this and then he does that uh, and so as we begin to begin to live in that revelation and we understand how well we are loved that strong point we you know the sin which is the weak side it begins to almost like in, in itself take care of itself it, it begins to fade away 
because we are no longer relying on how capable we are of managing our weakness, but we are now living in the space of the, what is strong, good, and true about us. And we are developing that. And so now we've been captured by truth. And Jesus said, you know, once we know the truth, the truth will set us free. That's good stuff, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is. And I, I think Tim was right when, you know, that it's so hard for us to come to terms with that because it does mean that we give up some kind of control. And, you know, you, you said sin was fundamentally doubting that uh, God loves us. And I, I won't disagree with that. I, I think it's as much as anything, it's like we forget. And we forget because we get right back on to this idea of I've got to make life work for us. Mm-hmm. And, and that puts us back out there in all the works and that's hard. And, you know, there, there's a part of me that likes to believe that I'm in control. Yeah. That, that doesn't want to surrender. Tim, um, Tim, what is your view on wounding? Uh, the wounding that we carry, the emotional wounding we carry. How, how do you see that playing a relevant role uh, of, of trying to find the healing that we so desperately need through the pleasures of sin? For me, our wounds most of the time, until we start to really have them exposed, we spend so much time covering them up uh-huh. and hiding. We don't even know they're there. Right. So we see guys uh, come into our, uh, one of our weekends, and we'll start talking about you know wounds and father wounds and different stuff. And we've seen guys just sit there and and actually with tears in their eyes, their whole countenance is crying in shame. And they're sitting there saying that there's no, no uh, wounds going on in their life. While they know right then, right in the middle of it, you can hear everything about them is saying, yes, they've been hurt, they've been damaged, and they need help. So we're in denial of it most of the time until it's revealed to us and then we can let God come in and do the surgery. So do you think, yeah. Do you think that there's a direct correlation or attachment, uh, with between sin and wounding, uh, in our hearts? Or do you think, uh, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do you think that one of the biggest reasons, if not the, the main reason we sin is because we are wounded and sin is a, you know, it's obviously a convenient way to numb those temporarily. Uh, I think some sin comes from that. Um, some of the times, the I think the forgiveness that we don't have for ourselves is because we want to hold on to that wound. Um, I, I would say that, yeah, we lash out because we're trying to protect ourselves. We don't want to open that wound. So we may even do something to, you know, curse somebody else or do something to them just to keep us, keep them away from us and keep us away from that space where, you know, we've all been around people where you can, you can say one thing and they just go off like a rocket and say, wow, they didn't even realize that there was a wound there Uh and and they can hurt. 
and they can cause pain and sin and even run away from God. And uh, I, I've seen that many times, you know, just in interpersonal relationships, like you stepped on a landmine and all of a sudden, boom, there's, everything's off, off the table. And, and, you know, and they're acting irrationally even um, trying to cover. That's, that's how deep these wounds are that we don't even realize they're sometimes they're just into that subconscious level where, um, yeah, only God can reach in there. Uh, Only he can provide that kind of healing. Uh, We've seen guys come, come through after years and years and years of counseling. And until those wounds get exposed, it's just been, you know, self-help after self-help. Right. So so essentially, essentially sin management. That's what you mean. Yeah. 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 And yeah. sometimes legitimate, really trying to get there, but just yeah. not seeing it for what it is. Right. Uh, which is wounds, and 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 they get scarred over, and you know we we just deal with them instead of letting God come in, do the surgery, get through it. It doesn't go away. Right. But God can open it up and heal it. Charlie. I I think that's very true. I mean, I, I just. I see a lot of people that seem to be emotional teenagers, but they're full grown adults or, or less. And <laughs> yeah, you know, the, just the behavior that, and the, the things that come out of their mouths would suggest that something really significant happened at a much younger age. And, and so much of life is lived out trying not to feel that way, which, which I think drives us back into the control thing. Let, let me have control of my environment so I don't feel these things. And when we're operating out of woundedness, we're going to be operating out of um, this idea that I, I can work to control it. I can work to make it better. I can work to make it um, you know, look good on the outside. And, and that takes so much energy hmm. that we, we don't have any time to, to think back about who God really created us to be. And, and the problem, too, is, you know, while we might know theologically that we're born from the beginning, that we're beloved of God, that the actual feeling and experience of life living out of our wounds is so far away from that. Uh-huh. It, it, it's like it, it's a complete disconnect. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think we if we want to reduce sin, I, I think the. The best way to do that, or the starting place, is is certainly to begin to look at our, our wounds and the things we've believed out of them, hmm. because that's what's in contradiction between what God says we are and what we think we are. Uh-huh. And it's, it's like, it, we're going to have to come and open that up for that gap to be bridged. Right. I mean, it... It's not that our identity changes. It's like we're stuck in this place. And until we can let the Lord begin to speak to that and to bring his healing, we really can't help do much better. Yeah. Yeah. um, I I like that. Um, I certainly see in my own life um, and, you know, I've had many addictions uh, over the course of the years. but in particularly, I know uh, the wound of abandonment and rejection that I that I carried for so long. And, you know, I, I still have the scar and some of that is still actually, 
you know, being healed day by day, um, that I was able to look back and understand how strategically I sinned in certain areas. Uh, and I strategically did certain things, which of course fell short of who I really was, but in, I, it was my attempt or my indirect fruit, if you like, of trying to numb, trying to find comfort from this big, huge gaping holes, emotional holes that I had within me. Um, and it wasn't until I actually began to focus on, you know, embracing that part of me, that, that part of me that was wounded, that was broken, that was dark, that was dirty, that was outright, you know, a disaster. Um, and I began to actually embrace all of that. And I went through the shame uh, and I began to, 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 to just accept it. Um, you know, I began to feel great peace and great release. Uh, and I began to see God heal me. And as he has healed that, the sin that I used to run to, the strategic sin that I used to run to, and I'm being very vulnerable here, um, you know, that has diminished to the point where in some areas, I don't even actually think about that anymore. And when I say that, I say that, you know, very carefully, because I'm not saying this from a place of arrogance and, hey, look at me, how great I am, because, you know, that's not the heart behind this, but it is because of grace and the reliance of remaining within that real grace of God that then empowers me to, you know, continue to walk down this road of surrender away from the ditch of control or resignation where I am aware they're still there and I can still go there and entrench myself in this strategic sin. But at the same time, I choose to remain within this space where I am unconditionally loved and I am accepted as I am, not as I should be. So I have not really much, if any, to be ashamed of, even though, of course, there is still shame in my life. And that is slowly again being healed. And I'm able to function day by day, not focusing on trying to stay away from certain places or not seeing certain people or not doing certain things, even though there is some wisdom in that sometimes. Uh, but more in, you know, living present and relying on God to continue to lead me forward uh, back into the depths of my heart where I believe I find the kingdom and I also find who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me. And, and all of that, that just sounds huge. like... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, all of that just sounds like a really holistic repentance. And, you know, the scripture says that repentance is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I think we, we tend to think that that means I'll have the ability to white knuckle and resist something. And maybe there's some degree of that that's true. But this whole idea of like looking at the hole in the heart and, and re-examining identity and reappropriating what, what Christ speaks over us, I mean, there's actually power there. Yeah. Yeah. Tim? When we see when we see the list of things that God says about us in the Bible, I've seen lists of that before. Where we 
talk about beloved son, but we also talk about just the things that how he sees us. It's the it's the exact opposite of how we see ourselves uh-huh. most of the time, and that's that's radical for people to accept that when they've been so focused on sin management and then ignoring the, the freedom that God has in grace. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's total polar opposites. And, you know, we chip away at that. God, God does a great job of uh, convicting us early on. I, I can remember, you know, I remember living a life as a, as a, as an unbeliever, didn't have any clue that I was doing anything wrong. Just, well, compared to Hitler, I'm good. You know, we're okay. Until before salvation, uh, God convinced me, you know, just showed me, no, I'm, I'm not feeling what it is that he wanted me, had the plans for me to do. You know, that, that's a totally radical idea. But then we shift back into, once we become Christians, okay, now how do we fix that? Right. We're going to put our foot to the pedal to the metal and, and run through it. Okay, mm. I'm going to overcome this sinful behavior by power and will and might. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Focus on me. Hmm. Well, Focus on grace. Yeah. Well, I mean, God does say it is not by power or by might, but by my spirit. So, you know, as we come to a close, I think it's important for us to remember what I, I think I. I mentioned, and, and I think within that I encapsulate what we've been saying, is first of all, we don't need to be fixed, we need to be healed. And there's a very big difference uh, between those two. One begins with God, the other one begins with our own ability to get things done. And the other one that I think is extremely important is that we realize that we are sinners because we are born into a reality that falls short from the one we originally come from and has given us life and sustains our life. And that we sin because we try and, and live our lives from this place within us, our ego, which is unable naturally from understanding, receiving, or even giving love because there is, is black and white. You either fight or you flight. You know, it's either you or the other. There is no... No, re, no, no third reality, which, of course, we know that in spirituality, the truth is normally found in that third spot between the two extremes. Uh, and of course, you know, as long as we continue to do life from there, we will continue to be trapped in this system of mercy, which will mean that we will continue to go around year after year, heavy laden, full of weight, um, relying on others and and what we do or don't do to get us by, instead of really enjoying this abundant life and this eternal grace that uh, God came to share with us through Christ. Charlie, Tim, thank you so much for your wisdom, for your time, and uh, just a couple of seconds for a final word from each of us, each of you, please. Uh, I just want to say thanks for having me. Tim? <laughs> and we, we love you, man. And... I don't always go everywhere you go, <laughs> and that's what I love about you. The sometimes you, to me, you're like uh, right on the edge of mystic theologian. Uh, you know, so I'll read what you say, and I say, "Wait a minute, I've got to, I've got to stop and think about this for a minute." <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah. is this where he, is this still 
in the bounds here, and and I think a lot of people that don't think about it will just you know automatically react and just say weird stuff. And, yeah. You know, there's, everybody's going to be a hater. That's easy to do. Yeah. But man, I know you're hard, and, and I and I've had it, spent enough time with you and talked to you long enough to know that you know you've spent some deep time thinking about this with God, yeah. and He's revealed some things to you that are kind of outside the box. Yeah. And um, and and I'm okay with that, man. And I and I love you for that. And what you have to say and uh, always makes me stop and think so good appreciate you having us on man yeah no it's a pleasure and uh yeah i'll just pick up on that mysticism um you know i think any any real any healthy mystic first and foremost trusts his experience with god um and of course that experience then is you know uh, if you like uh backed up by the scriptures and the understanding that God gives us of those. Um, but yes, um, and, and you know, I, I, I love the fact that you love me in spite of that, because there are some that, you know, of <laughs> course, um, are, are withholding the love and the acceptance because I don't seem to be singing from the same hymn uh, sheet. But uh, there you go. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, the love is mutual. Uh, I appreciate you being here with me. And as always, when you guys speak, I learn, I understand, and I'm sure. So